All right, welcome to AVL Minutes, where we talk about tech tips, industry news, and some of our road stories and experiences. My name is Peyton Graham, one of the owners here at Asteria Controls, and with me today, as always, is my esteemed technician and my live streaming expert, Jordan Newman. Jordan, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, as per usual. Yep. Special guest joining us today for this very special episode. We got a guy currently slaving away in the church AV world. And he's got a vast array of knowledge he wants to share with us. We're happy to have him. So Shane, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Shane, um, live stream director at Anchor Church here in Tacoma, Washington. I've been around church stuff for um, church tech stuff for 13 years now, and it's uh, um, I just love doing this stuff. There's there's always something to learn and and always some stuff to share. Thanks for having me. Yep, absolutely. So on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about digital mixers, and specifically a lot of the really popular ones that you see nowadays. we got Midas and Behringer consoles, Allen & Heath consoles. Once in a while, you'll see those Soundcraft and Prestonus consoles. Those are a little bit more rare, but we're still going to cover them a little bit. And these kinds of consoles, especially these brand new digital ones, are really so popular because they're so freaking easy to use and train on and nowadays with a lot of tech stuff being in churches or in high schools where you just have a lot of unexperienced people that need to run front of house or just turn a microphone on or play something through their iPod because it's 2006 apparently these consoles are great for that and so you see them a lot and now's a perfect time to compare them so we're just going to talk a little bit first about kind of our favorites and our experiences. So Shane, why don't you kick off with your favorite mixers, uh, digital and analog, and also what kind of experience you have on each of those. You know, I my favorite mixer is one that I think anybody who knows old analog mixers would, would um, think that I'm a weirdo for saying this, but it was a Mackie 1604, um, the Pro Series. I think it's only my favorite because it was like the first ever mixer I actually touched. Um, and uh, it's just, a, it's an old analog board. The one that I used had broken faders. Um, all the slides had gunk in them, so they hardly moved. Yep. Um, so it was a total garbage board, really. But um, that's just what I learned. And that's, um, as far as a console to learn on, I think Mackie did a really good job of, of laying everything out on that board real easy. Um, so it was super easy to, to set an EQ. Um, uh, either on, you know, in your channels or even your main EQ, um, everything was just really easy and uh, straightforward on that board. Um, in reality, though, if I was to pick a board today, um, I'm kind of stuck between the Allen Heath SQ6 and the Midas M32. Um, I think it totally depends on on where you're going to use that console um, and which one you would have to pick. But um, you know, whether it's like a, a your uh, a studio or a live stream studio or uh, live sound. Um, uh, but I'm stuck between those two. All right, That's all right, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Jordan, so Jordan is he works a lot on our live streaming stuff and our installation stuff. So he's not our you know programming front of house kind of guy. So he'll be kind of you know asking the users questions, what you the viewers might want to know, or maybe what the customer might be asking. But he's also got some knowledge. So Jordan, anything that you want to share with us? Well, I'm just a fan of the M32. I mean, I think that's probably the one I'm most familiar with just because I've only been with so few. But 
I like that you can label like the different instruments and stuff. And there's a little picture. That's pretty sweet. That's about <laughs> all I got. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, I... My original experience was on an old Mackie board that was so old that the logo was actually rubbed off, so I can't even tell you which model specifically <laughs> it was. But, um, I mean, it worked It worked like it's supposed to. It sounded like utter garbage, but, you know, everything back then sounds like utter garbage compared to preamps of today. And I know all you sticklers out there are going to be like, you know, all you old school guys are like, you're wrong, bro. You're wrong. The old stuff sounds the best. There's stuff out there. And you know what? For old microphones, 100%. But for old preamps, no. It's just not true. And you're lying to yourself if you think that old preamps <laughs> sound good. I don't know, Shane. What do you think? I agree. I agree, yeah. Um, like you said, old old systems work with old systems. But uh, you start trying to add anything new, and you're going to run into some problems. So I think I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, maybe if you're comparing, like, an old, crappy, like, Amazon board and its preamps to an analog console, then sure. But have you heard those Midas preamps? They sound ridiculously good. And Alan Heath also has some good stuff, so I, you know, I just I just don't want to hear it from the old school folks. It's, <laughs> I just don't. So a lot of my experience after the analog age also comes from the Midas M32 the Behringer X32, that kind of world, and we'll get into that a little bit. But, you know, I spent so much time on that M32 that it's hard for me to hate it, but also I know its deepest flaws and have experienced its deepest flaws at the worst times ever. So it does hold a little uh, a little resentment in my soul for that. Just... Yeah, I was I was with you on a couple of those those big flaws. I I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I still like uh, like not unrelated. Obviously, it's on topic, but it's kind of. I'm just wondering for someone who is looking to buy a new board, how much can they expect to pay? Like I'm talking, maybe list three different prices. How much for a board just off of Amazon? how much for the most expensive board and then maybe on average just for your just the typical board you'd find in a church or something like that how much throw some prices at me yes yeah, so a lot of the boards that we're talking about today we're talking about them specifically because they fall into around the same price range and we're talking about 2 to 5000 but mostly in that three to four thousand range for a good forty channel mixer with solid digital capability, run into a digital snake. You're you're gonna be spending, you know, right there in that range. If you want bigger fe features, like we're talking about maybe the SQ seven, bigger board, bigger layout, maybe you spend a little bit more. If you want something smaller, like an SQ5 or maybe the M32R, a little smaller version, you know, 2500, somewhere around there. The Prestonus, the Studio Live 32, it has a 16, and that one's even cheaper, you know, running sub two. So 
If you're spending less than $1,000 on a digital mixer for your church, though, uh, God might not let you get into heaven, so just keep that in mind. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good to know. So I'm not going to heaven anyway. (laughs) All right, so we Uh, kind of already covered a little bit of that analog and digital stuff. Um, I do want to go over any pros and cons, Shane, that you might have noticed. You know, maybe it's not just sound quality, but maybe like, you know, training wise and, you know, that user friendly stuff and, you know, easy to mix versus the digital stuff. I don't know. What are your thoughts that you have on that? Yeah. You know, I think the analog, old analog boards are probably the easiest place to train somebody. Um, everything's just right there, right out in front of you. Um, and, one of the biggest things that I can think of every time I think of analog versus digital is um, routing. On an analog board, your routing is right there in front of you. Everything's plugged in in the back. Um, it's really easy to do your signal tracing and figure everything out. Digital board, you're you're scrolling through screens trying to figure out where this issue is. Um, so analog is a little bit easier in, in the troubleshooting side, um, like I said, as well as that the training side. Yeah, I agree. Every, having everything right there within reach and nothing really hiding definitely helps training wise on an analog board. A lot of times people will tell me, you know, we're worried about moving to a digital mixer because of that training aspect and the fact that, you know, I may have not just a volunteer coming in, but let's say someone who they're only using the space once, maybe they're renting it out and they just want to turn on a couple microphones, get some music rolling and nothing sounds more complicated than, having to give them this huge run through on our digital mixer for them to pull off, you know, small menial tasks where on our current analog board, I've got a nice little tape mark right here next to the fader labeled MP3. Push the mute, push up the fader and the heavens break open. And, you know, getting past that is definitely a challenge when you're looking at you know, which board do I want? And do I want to go for something that's kind of in the middle between analog and digital, something that kind of like pushes you through the gates essentially in the digital world, but still provides some of those comforts of home if you've lived on an analog mixer forever. Kind of boards like Soundcraft's Expression Series is pretty popular for that, where they bring in a lot of the analog features. But honestly, I mean... I know for a digital board, you look out there and you just see a lot of pages to thumb through, but I can't think of a single board that spending a good couple days with won't just make you, not a master, I was about to say a master of, but still like comfortable with. They're designed for that, and you know, boards like the M32, you can program in in the little um, pre-programmable keys stuff for that volunteer. Like, hey, you know what? Right here, it's labeled MP3. That's all you need to worry about. But I get the fear. I get the fear. Yeah, I think that's one of the benefits um, with a digital console. You can, like you were saying, that one of the big fears is, is people coming in and... Um, just they have that nice, simple, easy setup for the guy that's coming in to rent the space for one night. Uh, 
you can have that set up in a lot of these digital consoles too, um, where all you have to do is turn it on, press one button, and you're there, and you have just the three or four microphones and auxiliaries that you're going to use um, so that the user isn't overwhelmed with everything that's in front of them. Um, it's just a nice, simple setup on there. So that's definitely a, it's a con of, of the digital console, yet there's, there's pros in it that, that you can do this still. Yep, yep. Yeah, and, you know, part of it is just the changes, the changes of life. Sometimes you just got to roll on and realize that not only do the features go up when it comes to digital boards, but also quality and some new comforts and new capabilities. So since we're talking about that, let's get into Midas and Behringer stuff right now. Obviously, Music Tribe is the company that owns both Midas and Behringer, as well as some other ones. Um, but their M32 for Midas and X32 for Behringer are pretty popular consoles, and there's a pretty significant price difference between the two, but they look very similar, and kind of feels like they run on the same firmware or close to the same firmware. And a lot of people are like, hey, you know what? What's the value in getting the M32 for what I'm spending versus what if I get the X32? Like, what am I missing out on? Uh, well, first of all, you're not going to get that sweet phone holder spot if you get the M32. Mm. That's you know, <laughs> where are you going to put where are you going to put that iPod Shuffle, baby? Come oh, on, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know. Amen. But beyond that, one thing I can definitely say about the Midas stuff is that with Midas, you're getting much higher quality preamps versus the Behringer one, and the difference is, I mean, if you listen to either of them, you can tell. And because of that, a lot of people are like, well, the perfect combo then is the Midas stage boxes, like the DL-16 or the DL-32, and then the X-32, and we kind of get the best of both worlds, the cheaper board and the nice stage box, and take advantage of those preamps. And that's great if you don't plan on using anything in the back of the board. But if you want to plug all your wireless mics into the back of your console, you might regret it if you get the X32. Shane, do you have any experience, kind of anything in between there that you might want to say? Yeah, you know, I, I've, I think I've seen the um, X32 once or twice, and I've got a lot of experience on the M32. Um, I, I agree with what you said about those those preamps, though. I mean, there's there's there is a noticeable difference in quality um, between Behringer and Midas, and uh, Midas is definitely the way to go. Um, like you were saying, though, I mean, the interfaces between them it's it's all almost a mirror image of each other. I mean, you can that's the nice thing about it. like you know I can go to a, a church that's running a Behringer system and I can jump on it and, and know what I'm doing um, with all the experience I have on a Midas system. Um, so that's uh, but yeah, like like you said, the Midas consoles definitely have the the upper hand as far as the the quality. Yeah, and you know things like the quality of the buttons and the quality of the motorized faders and you know all this stuff when you're interacting with it, Midas definitely feels like a higher quality box, especially now. Midas, like, they, they changed the way they're building those M32s. Um, I just used a, a brand new one a couple weeks ago, and the one we have is a couple years old now. Um, and I jumped on that new one, and the 
subtle changes Midas has made on that board is they're night and day, really, to someone who's used both their older versions and the newer version. The the sliders are so much smoother, so much quieter. Um, the button quality is just better. Ours are kind of starting to fade away. People have pressed, um, you know, press the same button every weekend. You can kind of see the fade out. These seem like they're a better quality, and they're not going to do that. So it's uh, Midas has definitely stepped it up. Yeah, which is nice to see. And I'm curious if the X32 is kind of receiving those same because every X32 that I've worked with, I haven't touched a new one recently, as new as the M32 that you're talking about. So I wonder if they're even doing the same with the X32 or if all that money is going into their new Behringer Wing console, which will... I think I think uh, Bethany has an X32. So uh, sometimes when I'm sitting in church, you know, I look for the church Wi-Fi because, I mean, sometimes church gets boring and you just want to, you know, be on the church Wi-Fi. Whatever. It doesn't matter why I'm using church Wi-Fi. Anyway, <laughs> I saw a Behringer X32 Wi-Fi option. Can you connect to the board? Some Like, what's that all about? Yeah, so um, you can. Behringer and Midas both have apps. Um, the boards themselves, at least the M32 and the X32, don't have built-in Wi-Fi. These boards connect with Ethernet directly into the network, and then you'll get on your iPad or your phone and connect to the boards that way through their proprietary apps. But Midas and Behringer do have wireless built-in kind of rack mountable consoles and i guess we can brief over that but things like the behringer x air stuff you know you've got the 12 the 18 and so on and with these consoles they're great because you can shove them in a rack and connect to them directly with wi-fi and start interacting with the console that way and the footprint is small but you still get a lot of the same features that you do with um, some of the bigger boards. I know that Shane there at Anchor, they're using an Xair in one of their studios, and um, I don't know, I hear they like it. Yeah, it's actually sitting right next to me right now here in the, the uh, worship pastor's office. Um, it We like it for our studio use. We like it for our recordings. Um, I've had some experience at churches running uh, live sound with these, and... Um, I, I steer clear of that. Um, you know, the iPad apps can be a little bit glitchy, and um, or the iPad itself can be glitchy, and um, you're you're stuck. You know, if you have any issue with your wireless, um, or uh, commonly in the church I was at previously, um, people didn't charge the iPad, and so there was almost no Sunday morning services because you have a dead iPad, you're getting ready to start, and you can't make sound at all. Um, so. Pros and cons um, to these. The definitely, like I said, we, we like using our recording. Um, it's really simple to move it around. We've used it indoors, outdoors. Um, it's, it's just really easy to move and set up anywhere you take it. Um, but like I said, there's just kind of that downfall on that live side, having to rely on that wireless technology. Yeah. And often when we're installing something like an Xair or an MR18, the Midas version, we are frequently putting them into somewhere like a bowling center or a bar where there's not going to be a lot of like live active front of house mixing. It's more just like, hey, let's get a microphone up real quick. Let's keep the music going. 
Something like that where it's really not a huge deal if the iPad crashes or the app just decides, you know what, I don't want to be on this iPad anymore. Stuff like that. We don't have to worry about it. I mean, it sucks, but, you know, you can be like, hey, everyone, just wait a quick minute while we find another iPad. And no one's, you know, bothered by it. Plus, in places like bowling centers and bars, you don't really have a sound booth usually. So these are best tucked underneath the computer, running into their, you know, whatever service they're using for their music, and just let it go. So they're great for that. Right. So a note on the wing. According to Behringer, the wing is not a replacement to the X32. They're two completely different things. And a big thing about the wing that I've noticed is that I don't think it's best suited for situations where you have a lot of different people using the console. And I'll say this because... They even inscribed like the words "personal mixing console" on the board itself. It's pretty much designed for a front of house engineer to go in, write out the board exactly how he wants it to be. You know, because you can put anything anywhere on all the scribble strips and all the channel banks. I mean, you can put it out exactly how you want, map it out. It is nice that it has a really nice touchscreen on it because that's one thing that the Midas. M32 and the Behringer X32 do not have. They don't have a touchscreen, which, if I'm being honest, is kind of disappointing. I feel like if I'm paying four grand for a console, I just don't want to be rotary knobbing through, like labeling things. I mean, I don't know. That's I one agree. thing. That's one thing with the Allen and Heath stuff. Like, thank you for putting in a touchscreen because. Why is it 2021 and we're still thumbing through knobs to write the word drum? I just, you know what? It drives me crazy, and I know it shouldn't, but oh my gosh. But with the wing, you do get that touchscreen capability, but you get a lot of customization. And while some customization is great for that church environment, that club environment, that bar environment... With the wing, there's so much customization and so little I.O. on the back of the board. Like it really relies heavily on digital snakes, which is fine, mm-hmm. especially, you know, it depends on what you're using it for. But I think for churches, the wing may not be the best option. Now, if you've got a guy in your church, a big volunteer, who's like, hey, I'm going to program this board. It's going to be great. I'm going to teach everyone, and I'm never going to... I'm never going to leave the church. <laughs> I laughed just saying that because I know how untrue that is. It, uh, you know, it could work great, but, you know. But that's just my note on the wing. I don't know. Shane, what's your wing experience? Uh, I've not used one. The I did, we're looking into a, a, trying to get a console now to do our, our mixing for our live stream at the church. And uh, the wing was on my list. Um because it because of that customiz- customization that you can do with it, um, it, uh, it it felt like a good option for our our live stream mixer because that that person it's probably going to be me most weeks, um, and so I could have it set up how I want it, and then I'm able to train our volunteers the few that'll that'll mix sound for us. Um, so in that setting, you, you don't need the um, 
that the wing can be kind of clunky, it feels like, as far as um, its operation. And um, you don't need that, that ease of, of use like you get with the M32 or the, the X32 um, that you would want for your front of house with all those volunteers at a church. Um, but where you have kind of your, um, your live stream mix where you want to put your more experienced volunteers, I think it's a good option there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Or and in a studio setting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're right. You got to remember, you know, it's not just front of house that we're talking about when it comes to where we're dropping these consoles in. There's studio applications. There's live streaming applications. And in churches, you know, oftentimes they're running two consoles at the exact same time, but they're running them for two completely different reasons. And, you know, you don't always need the same tool to do two jobs. So, you know, the wing could be great for that. All right, so I'm looking at the clock now. We got coming up Allen and Heath stuff, Soundcraft stuff, Presonus stuff, and a few closing thoughts, but we're going to push those into a part two, and we'll have Shane on again, and he'll uh, get into it again with us. Shane, thank you so much for joining us for this one. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Jordan, thanks for uh, joining in on the fun. Oh, yeah. And uh, we'll see everyone on the next one. We appreciate y'all for listening. But for now, see you in part two.